Alright y'all, this is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounce. This is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. There's quite a bit to talk about today. Of course, I'll be going over some NBA action. We are the, in the midst of some conference finals action. There could be a potential sweep tonight. Uh, we are also four games into the Eastern Conference Finals, so we're going to be talking about both of those games uh, today. And then we're also going over some MLB action. Of course, we have the word on the street that we're going to get to in in just a second and then also I got a review for you guys today I'll be going over Nas's classic Steelmatic uh, we'll wrap everything up with that but let's get right into the news uh, like I said the word on the street and I got some tariff news for you guys of course I've talked about this plenty of times before but I think it's important that we keep coming back to this uh, story reiterating it because of course it's all over our news and our media uh, I'm trying to uh as I better understand it, I'm trying to give you guys a better understanding of it. So here we go. Uh, UP, UBS, one of the more prominent financial banking institutions out there, has reported that the Chinese imp, uh, imports uh, will put $400 billion worth of sales uh, at risk. And then also they will put two, uh, the new rounds of tariffs uh, will put 12,000 stores at risk of closing. Uh, this is a quote coming from a UBS analyst, Jay. Soul. The market is not realizing how much brick and mortar retail is incrementally struggling and how uh, and how new 25% tariffs could force widespread store closures. So yeah, um, you know, I Trump is is looking to be the tough guy. He's looking to be uh, maybe in a power position, but at what cost? People are losing jobs. People are losing income. Uh, prices will be uh, increased at your local stores. The Wal Walmart CEO has already uh, confirmed that. He's, he's saying that he is doing all he can to fight that, but eventually there will be a price hike in, in even places like Walmart. So look out for that. Uh, earlier this month, Trump ramped up tariffs from 10% to 25%. I talked about this coming uh, last year. This was going to, you know, at some point this year, we we're going to ramp those tariffs up to 25%. Here they are. Uh, they will also, well, Trump also threatened to add 25% more tariffs on the 3.20, uh, sorry, $325 billion more dollars worth of Chinese product now uh, and import. So this is, this is, you know, this is what his, you know, his modus operandi is. Uh, you know, so far he thinks he's has results, but the the real results are again we have twenty thousand, uh, twenty thousand one hundred and seventy six clothing stores will be closing by twenty twenty six. Now this is already. Uh, this was already going to happen eventually uh, just because of the internet and, and rises and stuff like that. Amazon, of course. But now with the tariffs, we are accelerating that process. That is the big thing here. CVS, Payless, and Victoria's Secret will close up to 6,500 stores. Retailers reported more closing, more store closings in the first 20 weeks of this year than last year all last year so we are in a very uh very deep pickle i don't know you know what they're trying to tell you on the surface whether it be cnn whether it be fox news but uh he might win the battle but i don't know if he'll win the ultimate war because again we're it's costing americans job and it's going to start costing you your pockets you just haven't seen it yet but it's coming i i've warned you this is this is the best that I can do. Five thousand eight hundred uh, five thousand eight hundred sixty four stores were closed last year, including all of Toys R Us's. We also had Kmart shut down in a lot of different Sears locations as well, including a couple in Northern California where I live in the Bay Area. So there you go. It's 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 nationwide. It's affecting all type of businesses. So again, I'm trying to ask you, and we haven't even gotten to the farmers yet. Matter of fact. We, my next episode, we'll be coming back and we'll be uh, dissecting again the, the impact that is, that is having on the Midwest and our American farmers. So we're just talking about our, our companies and our corporations and the retail jobs. Even in, even on the low end, now six thousand four hundred uh, stores have already been closed this year, and twelve thousand is a more is actually a possibility. So up to twelve thousand stores could be closed this year because again. Uh, increased prices increased prices on imports yada 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 people are not making their bottom these companies well, a lot of these locations and these companies are no longer making their bottom line because of these tariff wars it's simple as that I'm sorry the man failed here 
I, again, he might win the battle against China, but I don't think he ultimately wins this war. I'm sorry um, that he's put you guys through this. He's going to put us through this, but he, he wants to have his way and he wants to be able to dictate to people. Uh, but again, times have changed. People have developed their own nations. People have developed their own economies. People have developed their own lines of communication with other countries. You cannot be the big time boss anymore. This is not the, this is not that era. This is really what he wants to do is a pseudo imperialism. That's what it is. It's not going to work. Russia is, is, is really uh, guilty of the same thing. The pseudo imperialism, the age of that from the white from the white establishment is not going to last any, any longer. The Asians are deciding to take over the market. Let's see what Africa can do with all the resources it has. It's able to stabilize its governments and able to stabilize and mobilize their people. There you could have a bigger threat. We see India's uh, market developing. Uh, so again, this is not going to be a Euro or a Western dominated world. And I think this might be a, a, a a sign of changes to come, maybe positive changes, because again, we've seen a Euro dominated world for hundreds of years. So maybe if we have people on an equal footing, be able to develop their own countries and economies, we'll be able to see some different, some differences in how things are run. So uh, again, Trump wants to be the big bad boss, but it's not working and it's starting to affect the American uh, corporations. It's also affecting certain companies bottom line. And again, I have not reported, reported these facts to you yet, but they have also affected the american farmer in a negative way so we will be coming back with you on that uh, i will be coming back with you with those uh, with that information there but again again trump is trying to dictate the world economy and it's not going to work the u.s is no longer in that power spot anymore and that might be okay we might be all right like that it's okay to to uh work with others it's okay to not have to dominate everyone but again he would not be able to dominate the global market and that's what he's trying to do simple point blank he's failing all right y'all i'm going to take a quick break and when i get back of course we'll be going over these conference finals in the nba i'm a little bit disappointed in my squad but uh so what i have to talk about it this is what this is i have to put on my big boy pants i'm not going to sit here and give you guys any excuses either but i'll be right back y'all all right all right, my people, I am back. Like I said, I'll be talking about some NBA playoff action, some conference finals. But before I get into that, I do have a new story. Uh, I, I came across this over the weekend. This is coming from ESPN, but this is all over uh, the 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 major outlets right now, at least pertaining to basketball, uh, but it's referring to small forward uh, Tyreek Evans. He currently plays for the Indiana Pacers. Well, he did up until this point, uh, but he's been dismissed and disqualified from the NBA for two seasons for violating the substance abuse policy. Uh, now, after the two years, he can, of course, apply for reinstatement. He is 29 and has played in the NBA for, I believe, about 10 seasons. Like I said, he is currently playing for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, this year, he's averaging 10, or a little bit over 10 points, three rebounds, and also two assists. And he was going to be a free agent this offseason. I think a few, uh, quite a few teams were looking at him. I think Miami might have been one of them. Phoenix was a team that was looking at him. Uh, but like I said, he was playing. He played for 10, uh, 10 years, 10 seasons, excuse me. Uh, he was a 20, 2010 Rookie of the Year uh, when he was drafted out of Sacramento. He also has played for Memphis in New Orleans. Uh, now, he also missed three games uh, last year, or uh, yeah, last season. Uh, due to team violating the team policy and for other personal reasons. I don't know what uh, that was per se. I don't know what those personal reasons were or necessarily what the team policy was at the time. I, I think he might have missed a practice or something like that. It was late for something like that or was super late to a game and he just couldn't play. I believe that's what it was. Uh, now, Tyreek has never violated uh, the drug policy before and there's not much uh, detail out there um based on what the actual infraction was so there's not meaning i don't really there's no information really that's per, they haven't released any actually the, the league itself hasn't really released any information pertaining to exactly what he tested positive for or what the actual violation is uh and like i said this he has never violated the drug policy uh however uh, there is a chance uh, be, because of this, there's there's only a, there's there's only really one uh, thing that he could have done. Now he might have tested positive for what the league calls a drug of abuse, and these are serious hardcore drugs. These are your uh, 
sorry, amphetamines. Uh, I don't really know how to pronounce this one right here, but I'm gonna give it a try. Benzodiazepines, something like that. Uh, cocaine, GHB, so date rape kind of drugs. Ketamine, uh, LSD, of course. We've heard about that one before. PCP, any other type of opiates, and some of these can be used in uh, various mixtures with each other which is uh, especially dangerous so he's I'm, i don't know what his lifestyle is outside of the nba i don't know what he's been through throughout his career um but again if he's uh if if you know if it's an anti-drug you know violation it would have to be one of these drug of abuses because again marijuana is not here i'm pretty sure yeah you do get you know little fines or whatever you might get in trouble for using marijuana but again uh i've never seen anybody banned uh from it i think the other only other uh situation where somebody was using uh weed a lot and got kicked out would have been oj mayo but he had other problems including i believe cocaine use uh opiate use and he was alcoholic uh, some players had weed issues but it's always something else going along with it like drinking so on and so forth so again I don't, again, I don't know what his situation was per se, and I'm not going to really pass no judgment on him, uh, especially because from what I've seen, seen from him throughout his career, he's been, a, he's been a pretty good player. So I don't know, maybe, you know, and he's been through some injury issues. It might be just trying to deal with that pain, excruciating uh, amounts of pain, because a, a lot of the, you know, over-the-counter stuff does not really hit those nerves into really stopping that pain like some of these, some of these drugs might do. So um, I'm not going to make any real judgment on him right now. Uh, I don't know his life. So I don't know him as a human being it's kind of unfortunate though that he's in that situation and uh, he won't be able to make money at least through basketball for a couple of years so i do believe that that sucks uh but moving on uh we're gonna go to these conference playoffs of course i'm gonna start uh with last night's action of course the bucks were able to get some uh some inroads going into this series they were able to get uh, i'm sorry not the bucks but the raptors here uh the raptors were able to get it done 118 to 112 uh in overtime uh the raptors I'm uh, sorry, the Bucks are still up two games to one in that series, but a good game for the Raptors. Uh, they came, they came alive. Uh, let's go over the stats real quick. For the Bucks, they were led by George Hill. He had 24.7 rebounds. He also had two assists. Malcolm Brogdon came up, came up big as well. Uh, he had 20 points for them, five rebounds, and uh, f sorry, five rebounds. And Brook Lopez, he has been performing uh, pretty well throughout this series. He was. Uh, Nowhere to be found uh, in the conference semifinals versus Boston, but here he is, 16.6 rebounds here. Moving on to the Raptors, Kawhi led all scores with 36 points. He also had nine rebounds. He also got five assists. Uh, Pascal Siakam, excuse me, he had a double-double, 25 points and 11 rebounds. And Norman Powell, he had 19 points, four rebounds, and also three assists, three assists excuse me, coming off the bench. Uh, going into some uh, some team stats, I'm going to be breaking down some of the more important more important team stats. Uh, the Bucks had 68 rebounds, uh, but again, it did not necessarily lead, uh, lead to a victory, but still to almost have 70 rebounds in the game. Uh, they're definitely... Uh, we we kind of know what what their bread and butter has been and what their bread and butter for this series is going to be. They're going to definitely be getting a lot of extra uh, possessions. That's what they're going to be doing. Uh, the Raptors they also had ten blocks, so they also controlled the paint, and that's pretty much where Giannis uh, you know does a lot of his damage. So we're going to get into his impact in just a second in my game notes. Uh, but the Raptors really controlled the paint in my opinion. Ten blocks that's a really good number there. And the Bucks um, they had they had twenty turnovers, and the Raptors also had twenty turnovers uh they both kind of you know gave up the ball a lot which i feel led to you know going to overtime and going you know again because you, you just give it up opportunities scoring opportunities and you're giving another team the chance to score uh but out of those 20 turnovers i'm sorry out of those 17 turnovers for the raptors the bucks did force 14 of those to be still so i still think the bucks do have somewhat of an edge defensively there i think that's something you need to look at again they did need overtime to get it done that mean being that is being the Raptors. So the Bucks are not dead. The Bucks are definitely not dead. And it's not like uh, the Raptors suddenly just have an advantage. Uh, they needed an overtime period to get this done. Uh, but again, let's go over some game notes here. Kyle Lowry got ejected in the fourth. So was uh, Norm Powell. So they were kind of undermanned going into overtime. Uh, that being the Raptors. So again, 
they just had some luck on their side, and, and uh, Kawhi Leonard was not going to let them down. He played a career-high 52 minutes. Like I said, he was not going to let them down. They needed all 52 of those minutes, including the overtime period, to get uh, the Bucks out of there, and they did. They, they finally got their first win of the series. Uh, as for Giannis, this might be a key into getting the Bucks, uh well, I'm sorry, the Raptors back into the series. He got 23 rebounds, but he only put up 12 points. Uh, like I said, a lot of his work is done in the paint. He's not really a three point shooter he, he has a decent jump shot but he likes to attack that he likes to attack that paint but again uh the Raptors were able to get 10 blocks and really shut down his real area of focus so that might be a key to success for the Bucks I'm sorry not for the Bucks but for the Raptors uh going into the future but as as we uh as of today uh the Raptors were able to get themselves their first one of the series uh the Bucks are still on 2-1 in the Eastern Conference Finals moving on to the Western Conference Finals uh my boys uh my Blazers my Blazers Mm-mm-mm. Took another loss on Saturday, 99-110. Uh, the Warriors officially lead the series now 3-0. Uh, it's time for me to just be honest. I would not be surprised at this point if we just come out flat and give up the sweep. Um, we, we we have not looked that great over the series. Uh, let's go over the stats from Saturday. Uh, Steph got 36 points, 6 rebounds, and also 3 assists. Draymond had 20 points, 13 rebounds, and also 12 assists. So a, a really good playoff double from him. Uh, one of the one of the uh, X factors, at least in that game. Clay uh, Thompson got 19 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists. Moving on to my Blazers. Uh, McCollum led their scores, 23 points, 5 assists. He also had 3, three rebounds. Dame again uh, had a very difficult game uh, from the sh- from the shooting side of things. Nineteen points, six assists. He also had six rebounds. Myers Leonard he also had sixteen points, four re- four assists, excuse me, and also three rebounds. Uh, again, difficult game. Uh, we'll break it down in just another second. Let's get through some some team stats here. Uh, the Blazers again. Um, they struggled shooting the ball, 40% field goal percentage. They only made 34 field goals. Uh, they also struggled from the free throw line, 60, 60.6% from the uh, free throw line. That's points right there. They only made about 20 out of 33 free throws. That would have been tremendous points right there. Did not get them. The Warriors, of course, again, out-rebounded uh, the Blazers again, 49 rebounds. And they also outscored uh, the Blazers in the paint, 46 points uh, there. And they just were balanced. And, um, again, I don't know really what to make of the series right now, especially with the news that uh, Dame separated a rib in Game 2 in the fourth quarter. Um, I just find it highly suspicious that no media decided to release it. Uh, maybe it's, you know, uh Portland's medical staff that didn't release the information. I don't know uh, how that worked out because, again, when Canner suffered his injury in game five and in the first round, we all knew about it. We knew how long he'd be hurting. We knew uh, the parameters of it. We did not know about Damien's injury until after game three. I just find that kind of weird. I did not like that. Uh, again, Portland had a very difficult third quarter, and that seems to be the theme in these in this series like we just cannot get it done in the fourth in the third quarter and it leads to a very flat nonchalant uh you can't get it done in the fourth quarter and um i don't like i haven't really liked it um i don't know what to say about uh you know dame's injury i, I definitely has something to do with that to an extent and it is kind of i mean and and i think the narrative um you know from golden state or with the what people want to put on Golden State is that they're playing that great defense. They're playing really great defense, yeah. But it's also play. It's also good to play defense against a really injured player with injured ribs. But really, no excuses. I did not really like how we played in that third quarter. I don't know what's going on. Uh, the injury definitely must have some. You know, definitely has to have some effect on Dame. So I will give him that. But no real excuses. You know, uh, we gave up the ball a lot. Uh, we gave up a lot of turnovers, especially in the second half. Again, we played. We started off really hot in the first half. Uh, again, Dame. You know, it must. You know, it must be the injury because if Dame just matches McCullum, especially early in the game, uh, we're looking at that lead. We're looking at leads that are a little bit further and more. I think for the Warriors, more difficult to deal with if if Dame can just contribute at least maybe five extra points in a quarter. But. Um, you know it's looking really unrealistic now, so uh, I will not surprise. I will not be surprised if Golden is Golden State is able to close this out. Uh, it's been a really. It's been. A, I mean, outside of this disappointment, it's been a good season uh, for us. Uh, it's a good turnaround season. You know, to make it to the Western Conference Final, uh, I would have liked to at least gotten two wins just to kind of see uh, what what 
what works well for us going into next year. We already know, I mean, through three games, you already know what doesn't work well for us, what we need to work on. It would have been good to see uh, what positives we can take away. So um, that's my that's my drawback about losing in a sweep. I rather, uh, rather would have lost in seven or six just to kind of see really how good we were. And uh, to get swept, possibly get swept like this, especially in a situation where your best player uh, supposedly injured, it's just like, well, damn, like, we again, like, I've been saying, like, I don't, I, I feel, to be honest with you, it's not the same team in my opinion. Uh, it's not the same team I was watching earlier in the year. It's not the same team I watched in the first two rounds. It seems to be a different team. So, uh, I, I think for what it's worth, uh, the separated ribs on Dame's part did play an effect uh, to an extent. Uh, and, it, and, you know, it kind of zaps you. It kind of zaps, it, it kind of zaps you when you kind of hear about it because you're like, well, damn, like, you don't want to necessarily, as a, as a fan, I don't want to be the guy that says that's the biggest excuse and then be the, the hater that says, oh, well, Golden State couldn't do this, couldn't beat us with a healthy squad. But it's like you can kind of tell where, like, the injury, you know, could be taking its toll. And you're like, well, damn, like, fuck. I mean, if he was healthy, we're looking at a different game. You know, I I, pos- I, I do see that. Um I do see where we have we were not playing our very best basketball at various points in the season at the, in this series. So um, it's frustrating. Again, I won't get into the the woe is me, and I won't really get into the excuses uh, for what it's worth. We were not supposed to make it this far, um, and I'll and I'll keep it I'll keep it as lit as that. And uh, if we're able to get a win, I'll be. I, I, it's not like I won't be cheering them on tonight. I will be cheering them on tonight, win or lose. Um, it was a good season, Dame. I hope you get healthy. Uh, whatever the situation is, I do think, though, from what I've learned and what I've seen, just the playoffs in general, especially starting in the second round, CJ might be that number one. I think CJ might be a point guard, and Dame might be a shooting guard. I think they might have it reversed in Portland. I truly think that that might be the case. Um, uh, I'll have to look some more into that, but I, I think that might be uh, something that would 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 us. Uh, what add a different wrinkle to what we already have? Uh, switching those two guys up uh, in terms of their uh, responsibilities out there on the court. Uh, but again, no excuses. If anything, uh, ideas. This is why I'm glad I've gotten older. As I got older, I would have cried, and or when I was a kid, I would have cried or something like that and been all mad or whatever. But as an adult, you know what I did now was I just said, you know what? I'll just talk about it. I'll just talk about it and I and discuss it. And I'm not gonna sit here and be a hater. I'll just discuss what we can do for for next time, or I'll discuss what we can do in this game and just. Uh, try to just be proactive with it. Ain't no point in, you know, because I'm not getting paid, really, you know, to at least for this type of stuff yet. I, I You know, not even to commentate yet. So I definitely don't get paid to, to be a, a Blazers fan or a Warrior hater. So it ain't, it ain't really my spot to do that. So um, as a, as an analyst, as an analyst that I want to be, uh, Portland, uh, in order for them to, to even have a shot in this game, uh, again, the early starts are fine, uh, but they have to keep that. They have to keep some type of consistency going into that third quarter. That that's it. I don't know what Dame is gonna have to do. Maybe some of the pain has gone away since game two and game, you know, game four. Maybe he's a little bit better. Maybe he can do a little bit more for us. That's gonna have to help too. I mean, twenty twenty five, maybe thirty points. <laughs> We're gonna need thirty points from one of one of the two, either CJ or Dame, to to probably pull one out. Um. And then that just puts us in game five and over, which is going to be even more crazy. But, um, I mean, there's a, if there's a will, there's a way. Like I said, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm going to root for them till, till the wheels fall off. So, uh, good luck tonight, Blazers. Uh, Warriors, if you beat us, good job. Um, and uh, good luck with whoever you guys face in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's the best that I can say it. Uh, moving on, uh, I'm going to take a quick break. I have a couple more segments to go through today, but uh, let's get through the MLB next. Uh, like I said, I'll take a quick break. We're going to go over some quick news hits, and then I'll be going over the standings. I want to be... Uh, I want to go over the standings for the for baseball at least twice a week, just so you guys get a feel of who's who and what's going on in, in the league. Uh, but for now, I'll give you guys the standings for the first part of the week. I'll be right back. All right, y'all. I am back. Like I said, I got some baseball news to go over. Uh, the Mariners and the Braves, they made a trade yesterday, so they're doing some business. Uh, the Mariners trade one of their relievers, Anthony Swarzak, to the Braves for another reliever, Jesse Biddle, and also a closer, Aroides Vizcaino. Uh, Seattle will also send cash to help out with the $8 million Swarzak is due this year. Uh, for Biddle, he's a 27-year-old, and this is his second year in the MLB. He currently has... 
Well, he did have a 3.11 ERA last year in his 60 in his 60 mound appearances. Uh, he did uh, struggle a little bit early this year. He had a 5.4 ERA, uh, which is not that good at all. He also had a 10 walk to an 11 uh, strikeout ratio. So for 10 walks, uh, he was getting 11. Uh, well, for 10, he had 10 walks and 11 strikeouts, uh, which is really not that great. And for those of you who do not know baseball's terminology, a walk is just when you just throw four balls and a, and a hitter just goes strictly to the first base without even really hitting nothing. He just goes strictly to first base. He's It's a walk. That's what you call it. Uh, so he's given up 10 of those and only 11 strikeouts, meaning he struck out three strikes, you're out. You know what I'm saying? Three strikes, three pitches, boom. So he only had 11 of those. So he's not, he was struggled for a little bit, uh, and, but in, but he's been able to get it down a little bit over the last 12 games. Over 11 innings, he only has 2.38, he has 2.3 ERA. He's only given up, that means he's only given up a little bit under two runs, just a little over two runs a game. Uh, so uh, he's also, uh, now he was, like I said, he was drafted drafted in 2010, so he's been in the league for a while now. But he did not make his official major league debut until last season, uh, actually 2018. So he's been in the minor leagues, prop, you know, going through the ranks, you know, single A, triple A, uh, double A as well. So he's finally, you know, on the scene. Like I said, he's averaging a little over two runs right now, but he's definitely come a, come a, come a while away uh, over the past 12 games. So he's improving uh, for Suarez. Zach, he is currently two and two. This is what the Braves are going to be getting. He also has three saves so far uh, this season, fifty percent. So he's had six opportunities to get a save, uh, six opportunities to get a save. So he's gotten three of them. Uh, he also has a five point twenty seven ERA, so significantly significantly high ERA. But again, he did not allow any runs in his first ten starts this year. Uh, but after an injury, which is always it happens, it just happens. Uh, his ERA did go up to an 8.6 ERA. He also gave up six home runs in the last nine games. Uh, as for Vizcaino, uh, who the uh, Mariners will be getting, uh, he did not. He will not play this year. Uh, he did suffer a shoulder injury, uh, on, and he's basically within the. I think with after the fourth game of the year, uh, so he's out for the rest of the year. So they'll have to decide whether or not they'll want to keep him through just. Basically, how he comes along during his injury, and I, I'm guessing they'll probably work him out within the off season and, and see how far he's come along. Uh, but he did get a win this year. He also has a save. And he has a 2.2 ERA uh, over you know over the four games that he did play, and he also has 41 saves over the course of his career. So uh, if they decide to keep him, they have a quality relief pitcher. Uh, they'll he does not give a whole lot of runs, uh, and he also has some saves too. So he can he can come in and, and, and uh, close the game out for you. So they have they have a versatile pitcher if they decide to keep him again. He is on a contract year, so they can just let him go if they if they feel that they need to. Uh, moving on, we have one more news story to bring up uh, here. Uh, the Yankees are going to be bringing back one of their sluggers soon. Didi DeGorius, their shortstop, played for the first time this season. Uh, he recently had Tommy John surgery in, on October the 17th of last year. Uh, Tommy John surgery uh, basically occurs more so in baseball than it does in any other sport. It, it occurs very rarely in NFL quarterbacks, but basically it's when you tear. Uh, Tommy John surgery is, an, is a surgery that they do on your arm, one of your ligaments in your arm. Uh, basically, you tear it, and they basically take basically take a whole uh, a whole healthy ligament and basically replace that that broken one. Sometimes that ligament could be from your leg too. But basically he tore a ligament in his right elbow and he had to have surgery to repair it. <laughs> uh, he did go two and four in some action yesterday against some minor leaguers. They call this extended spring training. It's for, like I said, well, it's just like it sounds, extended spring training. Uh, but this is normally for players coming back. They're on the men from a, a very serious injury or a, you know, they're rehabbing. So they they put them in there. They put their stars in there with some minor league talent. Let them get some game experience before just built, putting them back out there on an opening, well, on a uh, major league roster, they, they got so they got a, they get a chance to hit field and all that. Uh, but f as of for for what Didi Gregorius was able to do, he went two for four yesterday, uh, and he I uh, believe he hit a couple singers singles, sorry, a double as well. He also uh, fielded pretty well too. He got he 
caused or he was able to force a couple double plays as well. So he looks to be back on it, and this is good because last year he averaged a 2.68 average. Uh, he had a, he averaged 2.68. He also had 27 homers. He also had 86 uh, RBI. So he's a pretty good hitter. It's really good defensive uh, shortstop as well. That's what they need him for. And speaking of the Yankees, they're also getting another one of their their stars back. Uh, their outfitter Giancarlo Stanton. He will also be rehabbing in Tampa this week. So they're looking to get back some firepower, which is good because I'll be going right into the the, uh, the rankings next, the standings next. And in the AL East, the American League East, they are on top uh, by a half a game, 28 to 17. So uh, having him uh, getting uh, Gregorius back soon, they'll also be getting Giancarlo Stanton back. Uh, even Troy Tulewiski, he's coming back. He's going to be coming back on the win. So that's three top, well, you know, Tula Whiskey, the shortstop, he's a little bit older. He'll be, he's, uh, Gregorius is back up pretty much. Uh, but again, that's still, uh, at least on the defensive end, he's still a great defensive shortstop. He does not hit like he used to, but again, they're getting some depth coming back. And Carl Staten, he's probably the best hitter on that team in terms of power. They still got Aaron Judge there. The Yankees are, you know, they're 73 in their last 10, even without these three guys. So getting these three guys back will pretty much, in my opinion, should skyrocket this team pretty much past the Rays right now and the Red Sox. It's it they're it, I mean they're already on top of of their of their uh, respected uh, division without their three three of two of their two of their stars. Um, you know again with Chula Whiskey he's a he's a he's a veteran but he definitely adds some presence there. Again with him it would just I'm sorry with all those three guys I'm thinking they're gonna stomp through this division. I'm just waiting on those guys to come back. I'm not a Yankees fan a hundred percent but. Ah, they're good right now. Uh, in the second place spot here, in the, spot here in the AL East, we have the Rays, twenty-seven and seventeen. Like I said, they are a half game back. So again, <laughs> I'm just saying, if 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 the Yankees are, are can still maintain a half game up without three of their three of their solid more solid players, I'm sorry, Tampa, uh, five and five in your last ten. A little bit on the inconsistent side. Mm, we'll see. Uh, as far as the Red Sox, they are at in the third place spot, 24 and 22, four and a half games back. They are also seven and three. Uh, the Blue Jays come in fourth. They are 19 and 27, nine and five in their, I'm sorry, nine and a half games back and four and six in their last 10. In the fifth place spot, again, this is a wash pretty much for them at this point in the season. They're done. You can put a stick of fork in them. The Orioles, uh, they are in fifth, pl- fifth place, 15 and 31, 13 and a half games back. They are two and eight in their last 10 moving on to the central division these uh, the twins still maintain their dominance 30 and 16 6 and 4 in the last 10 they're in the first place spot at the number two position we have the indians 25 and 24 and a half games back they're also 6 and 4 in the last 10 here come the white Sox in third place 21 and 24 8 and 5 in the last 10 5 i'm sorry 5 and 5 in the last 10 they are eight and a half games back and at the bottom we have the tigers and the royals you can pretty much you know, sick of forking these guys too. Uh, the Tigers are 18 and 20, 11 games back, uh, two two and eight in their last 10, and the Royals are 16 and 31. Uh, they're 14 and a half games back and three and seven in their last 10. Uh, moving on to the Western Division, we have the Astros, of course, on top, 31 and 16, nine and one in the last 10. No signs of showing uh, slowing down. Uh, we have the Angels in the second place spot, 22 and 24, uh, eight and five uh, games, eight and a half games back, and they are six and four in the last 10. Next up, we have the Rangers, four and six in their last 10, 21 and 23. They are also eight and a half games back, and now we have the Mariners. We talked about them just a little bit ago, uh, 23 and 26, uh, nine games back. Three and five in the last ten, and here are the A's, my A's. That's a damn shame. Twenty-two and twenty-five, nine games back as well. Uh, they have gone six and four in the last ten, so they're kind of improving. I like that. Uh, moving on to the NL, we're gonna start off with the East. Uh, the Phillies are on top, twenty-seven and nineteen, six and four in their last ten. Uh, the Braves are twenty-five and twenty-two, two and a half games back. They've also gone seven and three in the last ten, so they're right up on the, the Phillies' um, coattails. I like the I kind of called it in the beginning of the year. I like the Braves, uh, so I hope the Braves can can uh, can take over in a couple a couple couple days or so. Uh, at the third place spot, we have the Mets. We have uh, we have the Mets here. They are four and six in their last ten, six and five. Uh, they're six and a half games back, excuse me, and they're twenty and twenty five overall. Um, they were, you know, 
I don't know what to make of this team. They're they're kind of falling off, in my opinion. They they were competitive a couple weeks ago. Now I'm now I'm questioning them right now. In the fourth place spot, we have uh, the 19 and 27 Nationals. Uh, eight games back, they've gone five and five in their last ten. And bringing up the rear here in the NL East, we have the Marlins, 13 and 31, 13 games back, three and seven uh, in their last ten. Let's take a fork in them as well in the Nash as well as the Nationals. I don't really see those guys coming together to really challenge even for a wild card so let's just end those guys right now in the central division we have the cubs 20 and, uh, 27 and 17 six and four in the last 10 here come the brewers right up on them 28 and 21 one and a half games back there currently five and five in their last 10 we got the pirates here in the third place spot 24 and 23 games back they are also seven and three in their last 10 uh so they are on the rise they were near the bottom um between I would say, well, I would say about the fourth place spot. Uh, but here they come. They're they're slowly rising. Three three games back. They're looking pretty good. They do have a good, uh, solid pitching staff as well. Uh, in the fourth place spot, we have the Cardinals. They're twenty four and twenty three. Uh, let me sure I read that. I'm sorry, twenty four and twenty five. Four and a half games back. Three and seven in the last ten. And at the bottom spot, we have the Reds. Twenty one and twenty six. Seven and a half games back. They're also six and four in their last ten. Moving on to the Western Division, we have the Dodgers here on top. Thirty one and seventeen. I like the Dodgers. They're seven and three in the last ten. Of course, I like them. Um, they're looking pretty good. They come back. They stormed back. Uh, the Diamondbacks. They're trying to maintain. Uh, they're in the second place spot here. Twenty five and twenty two. Five and uh, five and a half games back. They're four and six in their last ten. So they're struggling as of recently. So we'll see how it goes. The Padres are right. Uh, Right behind them, 23 and 24. Uh, they're seven and a half games back. They are also three and seven in the last 10. So they've been struggling as of recently, too. Uh, at the bottom spots, you have the Rockies and the Giants here. They both have a 20 and 25 record. So that puts them at nine and a half games back. Uh, for the Rockies, they are four and six in the last 10. And for the Giants, they are five and five in the last 10. So um, it's looking like the, the West is coming. The, competing a little bit. I like the Dodgers here. Uh, the D-backs look pretty good here. Again, I think at this point, uh, it's, it's becoming very competitive for that wild card spot. Uh, the, the season would have went today. I think you got the Brewers here and you might have the D-backs. So it's interesting. It's still competitive. Uh, teams are hungry and they're chomping at the bit. Uh, but uh, like I said, I want to get into at least two. I want to give you guys the standings uh, at least twice a week. One in the beginning of the week. Uh, one uh, at at the end of the week just so you guys can see the progression over the season so for now this is the first part of the week i'm gonna wrap this up for baseball for now and i'll be back with my uh still manic review i'll be right back y'all all right y'all i'm back i'm gonna wrap this up for the day and like i said i got a review for you guys i'm gonna be going over one of my favorite albums from back in the day uh still manic by Nas, one of the legends in the game. Uh, this was Nas's fifth studio album. It was released December 18, 2001. Uh, this was that period of time where we were right after 9-11 and, you know, New York is... Uh, New York hip hop release is trying to make his comeback. Uh, Nas was trying to make a comeback in his time in his career. Uh, he had he had a very I mean his first album Illmatic was pretty raw. Uh, I've listened to that a few times. I've loved it. It's one of my favorites. One of my favorites as well. Uh, but a lot of fans, including myself, thought uh, his projects after that, like Nostradamus, it was written and all that, and I Am, weren't necessarily that good. Um, they weren't that great. And so I you know he definitely went back to the drawing board with this one. A really solid album. It debuted at number eight on the Billboard, uh, Billboard charts, and it also uh, sold over two million copies. Uh, it was given five mics by the Source. I'm not too sure if y'all remember the Source. I'm that old. Uh, Source was one of the uh, one of those uh, original OG hip hop magazines. Of course, uh, I wasn't around for the original. You know, like the first go around of it. But it was definitely part of my childhood. Definitely part of my come up as a as a, as a human. So I always liked that magazine. Uh, and then this uh, album right here, I always liked this album, especially now that I have uh, done some of the research on it. It was a really East Coast uh, album. Uh, he worked with a lot of a lot of those pr uh, producers out there. DJ Premier and Large Professor, um, two prominent East Coast, you know, producers. You had you had that feel throughout the record. Like I said, it was like a like a, almost like a 
like a like a time castle of what New York and just what the hip hop game was was trying to be at the time, um, coming out of that area, coming out of that specific place and time. And like I said, with the added nine eleven factor, a lot of stuff was getting love out of New York. So Nas was definitely um, like on the forefront of that, you know, bringing New York to the light and and put it on for that. Uh, I think some of the top tracks, though, of course, we already know. Uh, Ether, let's break this one down. We already know about the beef with Nas. I mean, not not the beef with Nas, but uh, the beef with Jay Z. Uh, how that all started. Uh, you know, they went back and forth. Uh, Jay Z released a couple of different freestyles. The Super Ugly, which I thought was really cool. Uh, it hit down. It hit low blow. Of course, uh, he's a rapper, so that's what they kind of do. Uh, this is what they all about. Uh, Jay, uh, of course, Nas will respond back. Um, I think Ace of the Izzo. Uh, eight, yeah, so that was that was pretty that was pretty dope too. But uh, Ether, I think, uh, took it to the next level. I think Ether established Nas as an MC. Uh, now I didn't end Jay Z's career, and I think he did win the battle. But you know, of course, um, you know, in terms of the in terms of being a better rapper. I think definitely Nas kind of proved that in my opinion, just with his bar, just with his delivery. Uh, again, now if we go beyond, you know, if we go talking about record sales and, you know, all the mainstream impact, of course, Jay-Z never really left after that. Uh, he came back and he came back okay after that. But I, I still think uh, after the ether, if at least for me, a lot was opened up to me as Jay-Z as a rapper. Uh, Nas, I mean, for me, I ain't gonna lie, like, you know, listening to Ether, I never could look at Jay-Z the same way after that song. Uh, I think for that matter alone, uh, Ether is probably one of the best diss tracks of all time. Because don't get me wrong, I think uh, Jay-Z still went on to have a successful career. I think if you talk about album sales, of course, Jay-Z is going to have more and all that. But I just think that's because that's mainstream notoriety and that's who mainstream hops on. That's who mainstream decided that they want to put and make, you know, the face of everything. So uh, I don't think that makes Jay-Z the better artist. And I think uh, Ether was a sign of that. I think, again, if we talk about bar for bar, uh, Nas just took him out with, with Ether. Uh, again, I think uh, Jay-Z came back with like another little free side for that. But at that point, you know, it was just like, oh, OK, it's solid, but you know, everybody was feeling ether. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'll never, I'll never discredit Jay-Z on that mainstream level because you can't really, you can't really, uh, argue with that. You can't argue with Billboard. You can't argue with Grammys and all that. You can't argue with just people's opinion all the time and all that. You can't. And, um, but ether definitely, in my opinion, showed that, showed me who was a better MC. And that's who, and that's, I mean, in my opinion, it's all about styles and what you prefer to. Like me personally, I like MCs more than I like, you know, a mumble rapper. I like people who saying stuff. I prefer the J. Coles of the world to the pump, the little pumps. I don't really listen to little pump. I, but, but don't get me wrong. Don't, don't, don't confuse me. I listen to some shy glizzy too, but it's just all about what I prefer. It's all about preferences. So again, like I, I'll tell you straight up, I don't like little Yachty, but I listen to shy glizzy all day so um it's all about you know perspectives all about what you like and just at that time when i was into in terms of just hip-hop just just uh just nas had it for me for a long time um i think some other big tracks i know one that you uh, a lot of you guys are comfortable that you guys know about was got yourself a gun um i like this one because the Sopranos were really hot at this time, and if you ever listen to, if you ever watch the show and you know about that, um, if you know about that, uh, that theme song, it's the, it's the, it's, it's basically the sample for that, and he took it and flipped it, uh, made it almost like some church shit, and I, and I liked what he did with the beat, um, I liked what he did with his bars. Again, he came out fresh with this, and um, I thought it was a good, a good sample. I mean, a good single, and I thought it was a really smart sample to use. Again, it's one of the, it's like an East Coast type of thing, you know. You got the 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 uh the mobster the the mafia influence uh the like i said the sopranos was out at that point in time and everybody as soon as they heard it got yourself a gun gotcha i thought of sopranos and i just was like oh that that's dope so i thought that song was tight again i think Nas was just you know again i think the point was trying to re not necessarily reinvent himself reinvent himself but i uh when i was looking up some analysis of just his previous albums beforehand before i before i looked at anything uh related to a review for this particular album before i made mine um was that you know, he, his, his albums, like, it was written in Nostradamus, took a real commercial route, uh, took a real, I guess, just, you know, gangster route, and, you know, and I think a lot of the songs on this, on Stillmatic, again, there was some gangster stuff on there, but again, I think, uh, it, 
the production here, you know, and it wasn't, I'm not going to say still mad. I think still Matic was the, was the balance of both, of both what, what Nas wanted, you know, the kind of mainstream sound to be like, and still wanted to revert back to, you know, Hey, this is my roots and all that. Cause don't get me wrong. He still has some really dope songs here that are really conscious that really make you think, uh, one mic is definitely one of those songs. You know, he breaks down, you know, just, uh, the violence that we go through, through, through some of the struggles that we're going through. And then whenever he, and during the, during the verses, when he would just fast out again, that's him commanding and taking control. Uh, one of the ultimate MCs there. Um, and again, just a subject matter in that song, you know, and again, you know, it's just something to make you think, you know, and, uh, uh, and I think one, this was one of my favorite songs too. Uh, this was a song that I used to, when I used to like be struggling in school and I wanted to, you know, uh, do better and when i wanted to really put myself forward and do something and accomplish something i would listen to that song i would slap and meditate to this song you know and 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 push myself to do better it was a, it was a calming song it was a song that made me focus um and one of those first those first time that i realized uh that you could sit there and listen to music and let that and let that take you somewhere you know i would be i would have a really a frustrating day and i'll come home or whatever and i'll just drink some water and i remember i just it would be like almost like a ritual i just come home from school or whatever and i it'd be a frustrating day i'd be mad i might have been you know yelled at by my mom's about something and i had to do something you know and i'll just sit back okay you know come home Put some ice cold water, put on some knives, put on that one mic track and just, and I think it was track seven or six. And I remember just skipping on my CD player to it and I would just sit back and just sip my water and just chill and vibe for 30, 20 minutes. Just repeat the song over and over and just, okay. And life would be cool. I mean, that's when I realized, you know, music can have that effect on you. And that's when music became something that I, that I wanted to be, you know, this is when I started to realize, you know, my connection with music. Um, one of those songs that really did that for me. And I really truly respected him for doing that song. And it hit me at a very important time in my life, because again, it was a song uh, that helped me focus, that helped me uh, realize certain things. Uh, and just, again, just something that you could really vibe to and meditate to and kind of understand that there's, you know, there's bigger things out there. There's, you know, a bigger, bigger picture out there. Um, and finally, I think the top tracks, uh, again, that I know that everybody should know about or, you know, one of those singles that, you know, they put out there was The Flies. I love this song, too, personally. Uh, this is a, a collab he did with AZ. Uh, for those of you who do not know, AZ is one of his running partners since back in the day. Uh, really, really tight bars. I think he's from Queens as well. If not, then Harlem, something like that. But really tight flow. Uh, this, this, they they go back and forth almost like a Snoop Dogg and Dre type thing in the third verse. And that's something to, to, to behold. Uh, they're comparing themselves to Rockefellers or not necessarily Rockefellers, but Kennedy's and all that. And just the flow, the chorus. Um, how does that go? Um, mm. We the flyest gangsters. Mm. So I just, uh, and Jay, uh, I'm sorry, AZ's on the hook singing it. Uh, bitches in heat with niggas that got dough. We the flyest gangsters. What you don't got is my natural flow. Counting out stacks and macking out hoes. Man, I used to be singing this song all day back when this came out. I remember it like it was nothing. Oh, I, uh, Nas used to have some slappers. I'm sorry. This is one of those. This is a song song. This is not just a rap song. This is a song. This is a song. You know, and I think... You know, there's, there's, of course, there's a rock song, there's a rap song, there's a pop song, there's a, there's an R&B song, but there's just a song. There's a song that just you listen to it, you vibe to it, and it has, it has that, it, 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 the, the, the words, the lyrics, the music, the composition just flows into a different experience, and it's just not a, it's just not a rap experience at that point. It's just not a rock experience at this point. That song right there, I believe it's track number ten. Uh, him and Az, the fly is right there. That is a song. That's a that's a musical experience. That's a that's an experience. That's just not rap. That's an experience. Like I said, the first verse you got uh, Jay, uh, sorry uh, Nas setting it off. Uh, you got Az in that second verse and Az on that hook. My God! And like I said, in that that tandem that they do in the third verse, that third verse, ooh. We both hard head just like a macho and Vargas and who the target. Now watch how we close the market, motherfucker. Oh, I'm telling you, bars upon bars upon bars. That's that's some true East Coast shit right there. It it man, it, it just brings up nostalgia, brings up memories. I love it. 
I love that album. I love that period of time in life. Uh, uh, man, I was, I was, I mean, even out here in California, it was a good time. You could feel that. You could feel the vibe in the song. Man, he, man, it was a good, it was a good one. One of my personal favorite songs of all time, you know. And I don't like materialistic songs where they talk about it and all that and they just brag about it. They had a braggadocious all the time. I've kind of grown out of it. But that song right there, I could put on right now and feel it myself. I'll be feeling myself. I want to be just like that. And I've always, that song always wanted me to be that, that, that song, man, for me as a kid was one of them songs I put on when I want to, when I want to, uh, again, one of those songs when I want to motivate myself to do something. Cause I, I know, I know, um, I know the payoff in the end is great, or I know the I know the reward is good. You know, that's the song where you know you're doing your job, you want your job, and you know you're about to get something out of it. You know you're about to get something good out of it. You know, it's it's what you're supposed to do. It's, it's the hard work, and it's paying off. And that's kind of what the vibe that I got from that song. So the Flyers with AZ, definitely one of my top songs right there. And my personal, personal favorites um, that were really close to me, um, where I'm going to start off with track four. Uh, this one is Smoking. What type of heat y'all hold in? What are talking about? Man, oh man, that, that chorus right there, uh, again, the bars there were on point. Um, you know, it's some gangster shit, of course, but again, he's breaking it down. He's the way the way Nas does it. He's an articulate, he's an articulate thug. Like you cannot like you know he get down, but it like it's not like that's his mode. Like he doesn't carry it like it's his mode of operation. He doesn't carry himself like a thug. He's intelligent. He knows how to word it. I don't even think he's. I wouldn't even want to say the thug. I think the thug is just wrong. The, the term to put on him, wrong term to put on. He ain't no. He ain't no softy. But you could tell he's just educated. He the way he takes these bars. Oh man, and he's just worldly. You know, he, he takes a different perspective. He's an edu he's an educated man without the degrees. You could tell that with his flow and his song, uh, encompassing. It envelops the it envelops the beat. Uh, it's a good it's a good song to smoke to. Definitely. A matter of fact, as soon as I'm done with this, I think I'm about to roll up a fat one and slap that one because uh, that one right there again, um, it's on point. His flow is amazing. It's it's scientific. It's on another level. Uh, one of those those songs that they don't really talk. about about when they talk about this album but i will talk about it myself because it's good it's solid it's a good chill it's vibes it's, it's, this album is about vibes and this song and, and if you're looking for vibes in the album this one right here is the perfect one it hits on all different levels he's basically like an east coast tupac I, he's my opinion they might have called dmx one of the closest versions to tupac on the east coast i disagree with that if i were to put that moniker it would be nice but he's in his own type of category but if i were to put them compare them and just that would be how i compare them the balance in which they come they come at their albums you got gangster you got something that that speaks to your mind and in Nas is so it sees it's different than, than, than Tupac because Tupac would go from night and day almost Nas is so slick it's like he's spitting to you about some gangster shit but you can't even oh it's like all right mm -hmm. just like with the flies he's really talking about some gangster shit but she like I uh, with that, with that singing on that chorus, she's like, okay, I, I, I get you, Nas, and and the same thing with this smoking. Um, what type of heat, y'all? Hold in, we got the plan in motion. The way he breaks that down is smooth. So you like, uh huh, you 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 kind of vibing more than you kind of get your like. And he's basically breaking down to you, you know what he's about to do. You know how he's getting down in them streets, but you're not. He's just slick with it, and that's the difference between him and Tupac and how they and how they uh carry both those sides it's almost like a duality you know, i could be the thug but i could be you know conscious with you too um one of my another one of my favorite tracks here uh my personal favorites here is destroy and rebuild and this one uh he goes after pretty much all his haters and queens uh this was a good track because again you know he came after nine i mean he came after jay-z and you know he got the big pub for that one uh, again this is one of those songs that kind of hit under the radar but he hit home he hit his he hit all his detractors hitting them on his backyard like Omega, uh one of the rappers he used to fuck with back in his clique called the um the firm a uh, couple couple of those uh he took some some subliminals but you knew if you was if you knew east coast rappers at the time if you was into the hip-hop scene in you know new york at the time you would know exactly what he was talking about uh i 
I I was knowledgeable in the, in the sense that I was listening to these guys. So when I'm listening to the song, I'm like, oh man, he's letting you, he's kind of letting you in on some on some East on some Queens stuff and some stuff. Oh, okay, so you kind of he he's giving you his 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 hood pass. Like, look, bro, I know all about these cats. I didn't I didn't you know brought these cats up. Who are these dudes coming after me? Um. <laughs> he called Cormega corny. Like the the dude was on fire, and 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 uh, he's basically uh, reclaiming. Hey, you know this is me. This is Queens. I'm Queens right here. Ain't nobody going over over nobody over here but me. I'm the one. I'm the I'm the Don here, and I like that. Um, again, and this is that balance. He's letting everybody. And it ain't no. I'm killing you. I'm you know. I'm coming after your front door. No, I'm just a better rapper than you. You corny. I put you on type stuff. You know who was you to come after me? And he did it. And like again, the way Nas is just he's he's a he's a really ill MC and people he's underrated. I mean, no, he's not underrated. He's he's properly fitted, but I feel sometimes he just just does not get that just due. I mean. Uh, with all the Jay Z's in the world, it's hard. But Nas, man, man. Um, a couple of my my couple favorite, a uh, couple more of my favorite songs. Uh, again, speaking to the balance of his consciousness. Uh, two songs that I really thought that spoke to that were Every Struggle, uh, one of the bonus tracks, and also My Country. Now, Every Struggle, uh, he basically goes in there. He goes in. He goes in on the on the plight of Black America. Uh, he's de detailing to you what's going on, uh, the struggles that we're facing. Uh, it's it's uh, the beat itself is manic. Uh, it, you can tell the the desperation of the times or how how times were getting back in those in that era, and it ain't really changed. Uh, but he's reflecting on that, and it, and it's and it's in that fatalistic, almost nihilistic kind of sound, uh, like a, the world is almost any type of thing, and. Um, I think he grasped that. Um, I, Nas, for what it's worth, uh, he he through his lyrics, he is the best rapper at truly understanding and articulating really the black experience in that situation. Uh, take a look at that 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 bonus song there, "Every Struggle." He's he's de he's detailing to you basically all these different situations, how this shit. Uh, goes down, you know. This is how this is how uh, our society is. This is how society is kind of playing itself out, um, and it's a struggle. It's an everyday struggle. It's just like the title says. Um, and again, my country uh, goes in on that. This song comes up. I think uh, track twelve. Uh, this song is very interesting because again, it it's it's detailing the the struggles that we've had here. Uh, and the end, I really thought it was powerful because he goes in uh, after the bars, you know, after he, he, you know, he's talking, he's speaking some knowledge. He starts talking to you about uh, black leaders and, and black um, activists, you know, Malcolm, uh, Patrice Lumumba. And he tells you, yeah, you know, they were a threat to America, but they were destroyed by their own people. They were killed by their own. Uh, so you have to think about that. You have to, it opens up to you. Oh, it opens you up to some questions and, um, songs like that, I think are really good for us to have, you know, it's not just about, uh, again, it's not just about, you know, game banging. It's not just about having all the money. It ain't about having, you know, all the, the fancy cars. Sometimes you have to understand what's going on in this society and why they're coming after you the way that they are. And I think that he really, really did a good job of highlighting it there. And I think he's one of the few MCs that can really take that upon himself to do it. I don't think any any MC uh, really spits enough conscious bars to that degree, and they're solid like that. The way he, the way he delivers, the way he's on, uh, he's on fire in my country uh my country sick of me she wants to get rid of me because of things i've seen because of things i've seen so right there he's letting you know my country sick of me and is she not <laughs> i mean he's telling you and this, those songs hit home for for me because again i'm 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 reading in this time i'm learning about the civil rights movement at this time when this album had came out i'm learning about uh different forms of racism at this time i'm reading into those things at this time and i was conscious of these things at this time um or at least becoming conscious of these things i didn't say i was an expert or anything like that but i'm becoming conscious of those things and you know when you hear it on that level you hear these you hear your you, you know you hear it uh being related to you in that way like you like you, it's almost like you become an expert. You're understanding these things. You're hip to the game. And Nas, 
uh, is forever. With this album, is one of those teaching albums, those albums that you listen to if you really want to understand some things. You really want to, and it's not about uh, no third level, no third eye type stuff, uh, uh, which a lot of you know conscious rappers claim that they want to do. No, this is just this is just simple. What's going on in the world right now? What's going on with the black experience right now? Uh, I think another low key song that kind of hits into that is the second childhood, the song that I the sample for you guys here. Uh, it goes into you know. Being that that thirty year old dude, thirty two year old dude that has not moved on from the block, that's this is true shit. It's speaking on the the mother, the the uh, single mother who still operates, you know, like a hoe. She has a son that's looking up to her, and she can't, she cannot even, you know, the way her lifestyle is set up. <laughs> unfortunately, she can't, she can't care for him like that. You know, and I've been there. I've seen that. Uh, I've seen that situation. So that spoke deeply to me too. So that album was so was was a uh, was a very special album in my opinion. Uh, the source, uh, the hip hop mecca, the Bible for so many years gave it a five stars. We gave it five mics. I'll give it a ten out of ten, a hundred percent. One of the best albums I've personally ever heard in my life. Uh, it's it got me into music. It got me into wanting to rap. It got me into being anything into hip hop. Well, it maintained that interest. It maintained that love uh, for hip hop for me. It it it, it truly because again uh, there was so many different so many sounds that the, that the mainstream wanted to put out to you. It was good to see at that point in time that hip hop had not hip hop was there. Uh, hip hop was still there. You still had an avenue to be a really legit MC, and Nas was uh was one of the poster childs for that. And um, you'll always get my respect for that one. Uh, so uh, I'm gonna call the rap for today, y'all. Uh, uh, my next episode, of course, we got the war on the street. I'm gonna be going into this tariff story some more. Like I said, I want to elaborate some more about how it's affecting these farmers uh out here in our country, in our home country. We'll also be getting uh into some more of the NBA action, of course. Uh we're gonna be going to these conference finals. Win or lose, I'll be talking about my Blazers. You know, we're going to be bringing some NBA news here, too. So uh, and just as news comes along, I'll be ready for it. I'm going to take a I'm going to take a, a day off uh, just to, you know, observe what's going on in the news world, uh, see what's going on. And I'll also uh, got to work on my part four of my uh, Golden State issue, my, my uh, immigration issue. I would like for you guys to take a second, if you haven't, to take a look at those episodes as well. I'm three parts in uh, but going over the history of pretty much the history of California and the history of immigration uh, exclusively. So uh, take a look at that if you haven't. I do have a Facebook page up and running for the show, Never Out of Bounds. Please check it out. Give it a like. Give it a follow. Um, I am on Instagram as well. That is at, and I'm at L Jamal Johnny. That is E-L-J-A-M-A-H-A-D-J-A-N-I. Once again, I am on Instagram. That is at L Jamal Johnny. E-L-J-A-M-A-H-A-D-J-A-N-I. A N I. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. Y'all have a good day. I'm out.